Recorder is on. Anytime you're ready, go for it. Hi, this is Sarah Deacon from sarahdeacon.com, and you are listening to Vroom Vroom Veer with Jeff Smith. I'm reminding you to own your future like a boss. Boom. Drop the mic. All right. There it is. There it is. Let me hit stop. I'll be right back. Are you ready to thoughtfully steer away from your revved up, frenzied, and far too often scripted life? Then welcome to Vroom Vroom Veer with Jeff Smith, where he guides you down the road differently traveled by sharing unique experiences with guests who have managed to shift away from a life stuck on cruise control and veered their way into a more authentic and fulfilling one in all sorts of interesting and kind of remarkable ways. Get ready to Vroom Vroom Veer with your differently traveled road chauffeur, Jeff Smith. Dr. Eric Recker, I meant to say. Thank you so much for being on Vroom Vroom Beer and welcome to the show. How's it going? It's going great. I'm excited to be here. Thanks for having me. So we'll, we'll do away with the doctor for the rest of the show, but I wanted to get one in there because you paid all that money for that school and did a lot of work. You want to earn good. that. <laughs> yeah. So you're at ericrecker.com. So talk a little bit about what you're most excited about in your business today. Yeah, so I'm most excited right now because I kind of have my feet in in two different businesses. So I, I am a practicing dentist. I see patients three days a week, uh, but I also do coaching and speaking the other two or three or four days a week, depending right. on how it works. But what I love about that part of my life is that I'm in the business of hope. And we're in a world that there isn't a lot of hope right now. If you're not careful about where you're looking, it's easy to find things where there is not hope. And so the business of hope, I want to help people be able to devise a plan for their life to be able to move forward. I want them to believe that good days are ahead. And so that really fills me up. I think I've been on a journey and I'm excited to share that journey with other people so that I can we can work together to help make their journey something that they want to smile about. I like this journey. I like this story. And, you know, like I said, as we were talking, your story is, you know, on brand for me. <laughs> the, so let's go back in time. Let's get into it. So where did, where did you grow up? What part of the country did you grow up? So I grew up in a small town called Pella, Iowa, so southeast of Des Moines. So if you've ever heard of Pella Windows, that's us. I've heard of Pella Windows, yeah. Yeah, so small town, 10,000 people, and uh, and that's where I grew up. And I, I like to tell people I spent 17 years trying to get out of my hometown. Yeah. And I spent uh, seven years trying to get back. Wow. Okay. So you went back. So you're back in Pella. Okay. That's where that's where my wife and I live right now. We have one son who it just got married this last summer. Congratulations. That's His awesome. son went to college. So we are officially empty nesters. Wow. So that's that's good and bad all at, all at the same time, I suppose. It's yeah, like, it's, yay, I'm sad. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's great. It's a new chapter. Uh, I... My wife and I have been very intentional about dating each other uh, oh, nice. all the way our kids were growing up, making sure we spent quality time together because we knew that there would be a time that they weren't at home. And if they were the only glue that held us together, there yeah. was going to be a problem when they weren't in the house. Anymore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Recipe for uh, sadness in the future. Correct. Not like it's not like bittersweet. You know, I think it should be that. But 
the alternative is it's not so cool. Like them living with you forever. That's not, you know. (laughs) (laughs) No, not ideal. You know, depending on culture, we just don't do that here. You know, some places they do and that's okay. Anyway. So, okay. So, you know, I I was going to say, I actually went to Des Moines, Iowa once when I was in high school. You did. Neat story. Okay. Yeah, yeah. What did you have to do in Des Moines, Iowa? I know. Weird, right? Um, I was in a club called like, I think it was called Business Office Education Club. And then so somehow through weirdness, we went to the uh, national competition. Okay. In my senior year of high school. And it was, we were, we, my buddies and I, we kind of got grandfathered right to state competition in Michigan for computer-aided graphics. And then our computer-aided graphics in Michigan won at national competition in Des Moines. All that to say, it was the first time ever I got on an airplane, and it was to go to Des Moines, Iowa. <laughs> amazing. It was awesome. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. I mean, we got really good barbecue. I know, like pork chops that were just out of this world, like way better than I ever had in in Michigan. I was like, what are these? And they're like, oh, that's like a pork loin. It's a little bit better than a pork chop. I was like, I want this every day. Anyway. (laughs) It is good stuff for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, my, I think if you can call Des Moines a big city, I guess you can't, not really. Maybe my first big city was Detroit. But it didn't feel like I was in a big city because they put us on lockdown. We stayed in the Renaissance Center for the whole time we were there, and they didn't let us out. Oh, that doesn't <laughs> sound very fun. It wasn't. It, 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 it was kind of like uh, being in Logan's Run. You're trapped be under, under the dome for like a whole week. I mean, it's really big. I mean, but it's like being in a mall slash hotel for a long time. Yeah. Wasn't, wow. that, wasn't that great. Anyway. <laughs> I digress. So what were you like when you were a kid? So when did this bully thing start happening? Yeah, so I have early memories of laying awake at 5 a.m. or around 5 a.m. when I was in that first, second, third grade age. Wow, and that's young. I, I remember just hoping that my mom wouldn't wake me up. Usually it was a Monday morning because uh, home was a safe place. Right. Uh, okay. and, and school just wasn't a great place. Yikes. Uh, I was one of the youngest people in my class. Mm. I was, uh, you could call me husky. So I was a little okay. rougher on the edges. Uh, and because I was so young, um, I was pretty uncoordinated for my age as well. So I wasn't very good at sports. Right. And even at that age in the early 80s in Iowa, recess kickball was a big deal. Getting to play kickball at recess at lunch was a big deal, and I was not allowed to play. I would have understood getting picked last because I wasn't very good. Right. But all I wanted to do was have a chance to play so I could show people that I was good. Huh. After multiple times of not getting to play, I remember standing there on the sidelines of that playground and making a pact with myself that I was going to be so freaking good at everything that I ever did that no one would ever not pick me. Wow. That's a bold pack to make with yourself when you're in elementary school. Yeah. That's so you're super I, young to get the overachiever gene going on. Right 
Absolutely. Yeah. Wow. Absolutely. So what, what it created obviously was a monster. So, um, nothing was ever good enough. I wasn't happy with myself. Mm. Uh, nothing athletically was good enough. Nothing academically was good enough. Uh, and mix that in with the fact that I've always had to study a little bit harder than everybody else to get good grades. Okay. Um, not really sure what that's about. It's just my reality. So all the way through high school, college, through dental school. Uh, and then once I got out of dental school, uh, I dove into running. And so 5K wow. wasn't 10K, half marathon, marathon, none of that was enough. Wow, so wow. I started on triathlon, triathlon all the way through the Ironman distance, mountain climbing, all this different stuff that I've done. None of it was ever good enough until mm. I found myself at the top of Mount Princeton uh, near Leadville, Colorado, when I was going to do this huge bike race in Leadville, a hundred mile bike race in Leadville, Colorado. Wow. You got to Three the days. century ride. Okay. I like yeah. That. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Three days before that, I was on top of Mount Princeton and I was in the best shape of my life. And I stood up there, I uh, got up there a little bit before my brother-in-law did, who was hiking with me. And I surveyed the land out there and it was just unbelievable and gorgeous. But the thought that hit me was, if you don't know why you're climbing the mountain, you're not going to find the answer at the top. And I didn't know why I was climbing the mountain. I didn't know why I was doing it because as soon as I got to the top of that mountain, it was the next event. And right. there was always right, right. the next event. And I found myself realizing that my life had been geared towards gaining acceptance from those people who had moved on from me long ago. Wow. So it was it was a powerful realization, but boy, it took a long time to get there. <laughs> so about how old were you on the top of that mountain? Like Yeah. Yeah, I was about 40 on the top of the mountain. Wow. And so, that's kind of like you you had this epiphany moment where you're like, what the hell am I doing? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. And I knew I was three days away from a hundred mile mountain bike race that was all above ninety three hundred feet. So I knew I was in for, and I was ready for it. I was right. trained up for it. I wasn't yeah, yeah. concerned about that. Right. But I also knew in that moment that I was going to cross that finish line, yet another finish line to cross. Right. And it wasn't going to mean anything to me. Wow. Okay. And as I crossed that finish line, the only thing that had real significance to me yep. was the fact that my son ran across the finish line with me. See, now that's a good memory. Great memory. That's a great memory. So there's there's a good why. And now, obviously, you're conflicted, but that's a really great why, right? Anytime you do anything with someone you love that's important to you, like family, friends, spouse, whatever, and you make a an amazing memory, that makes that's like makes everything okay. Or, you know, it makes it worth it. You know, yeah. it makes it worth it. Like all that gear behind you. Each one of those yeah. has a, an amazing story, right? <laughs> it, it does. Yeah. It does. Yeah. We, we, my kids and I, we put those together. Uh, uh, we did build Lego sets together since they've been really young. Yeah, I wouldn't trade anything for those memories. But definitely in that moment, I was cured of endurance racing. I didn't need that. <laughs> Not that there's anything wrong with that, you know. I know a lot of people get a lot of joy, but I get it. You're, you were, you're, you're dealing with, everybody's dealing with their own stuff. So for you, so when did the, when did the burnout moment show up? When, was yeah, it so about been, the same time or? Well, I've been through three significant rounds of burnout. The first one 
hit in about uh, 2008, 2009 timeframe. Okay. And uh, one of the reasons I like to, to teach about burnout in front of groups is, is I know exactly what happened. I know why it got there. Mm. So at, at one point I was uh, buying my dental practice from my, from my father. I'd practiced with him for, for six years and it was time for, for me to buy it from him. Right. I was building a new building. Um, and just those two things would have been enough to have on my plate at the time, but <laughs> add on training for two different Ironman triathlons. Uh, I was on three different boards at the time and I was coaching both of my kids in soccer. So when I look back on it, you know, it's not a surprise that I felt incredibly stressed. Wednesday mornings, we would get up and start running at 3.30 in the morning so we could be done at 6.30 so I could start seeing patients. That's just one day of the week. Wow. So it wasn't a surprise. And then all, all the added responsibility I had at work, we were growing our team, we were expanding the building, all of that kind of stuff. It's not a surprise that I started dealing with heart palpitations, chest pain, uh, and even uh, the dreaded panic attacks that came along with that. And that was, that was the first round of burnout. Wow. <clears throat> so what were you thinking to yourself at the time? Were you thinking like, what's going on? Am, is this, am I just getting old? What was going through your head? So I haven't always been the best about being completely honest with what's going on. Uh, the, first time, <laughs> the first time I publicly... You, you and everybody else, I think. <laughs> exactly. So the first time I publicly told uh, my bullying story uh, on a podcast, uh, I got a call from my mom and uh, she was just in tears uh, because she they didn't know I was being bullied. Because I kept it to myself. I just thought this was how life worked. And yeah. so a lot of these things in in not really being honest with other people, it's not that I don't have friends. I have great friends. And now I'm super honest with them about everything that's going on. But at that point, I just felt like this is what life was like. Mm -hmm. um, I just felt this is what happened. Like this is the amount of stress that people carry this is the burdens that people walk with. And so it's, it, I didn't think it, that I was going through anything really all that abnormal. So I think that's kind of why I kept it to myself. And it wasn't like I went from feeling a hundred percent to having a panic attack the next day. Right. It was a slow fade. Um, and you kind of like the frog in the boiling water, you don't realize it until right. it's too late. And right. so that's, that's kind of, kind of what happened. With you kind of just like get this mentality of, well, this is just me, right? You're identifying with, yeah, I, I, I eat this kind of pressure for lunch. No worries. Right. <laughs> am yeah. I, am I wrong? <laughs> no, you're not wrong at all. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Cause I, I, I just, I never like, I think I heard Aaron Rodgers talk about that. Like when, when he gets like excited to hear that he's going to go against somebody that's probably going to rip his head off. He likes that. He just wants that pressure, right? I was like, what's wrong with you? <laughs> but in his mind, that's how to win, you know? You know, and that's yeah. where you were, right? It's like you can't shy away from that kind of pressure. You have to want it to win. And I get that. It's a good mentality to win a football game, but, you know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. For sure. And another thing that, that I really, um, that was really tough for me 
is I realized that I was trying to be everything to everyone. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Right. It's a really dangerous paradox that I think a lot of us really struggle with. Sure. Because I felt like in my practice, I had to be everything to everyone. I had to have every answer for every patient that walked in the door. I had to have every answer for every one of my teammates um, because I was the boss. Sure. If they came to me with something, I had to instantly have the answer and be able to fix it. Right. Wow. Yes. Now you're you're hitting me in the heart right now because I think I went through that some of that myself. Yeah. I got over it, but (laughs) it's hard to get over it, isn't it? It is. That's really hard. Especially like I worked at the help desk, right? So that you know, a lot of those people just what you don't know. Oh yeah, of course I know as I'm tapping shit on Google, right? (laughs) I think during lockdown, you know, I would just go ahead and admit I'm Googling it now, you know, and they'd go, oh, great. At least you'll understand what Google says, right? Like people don't care if you don't know, they just want you to help them. (laughs) Yeah. And I, I think that's one of the things that I really realized. So I started hating Mondays when I was in elementary school. Mm. Right. And I think I started hating Mondays because of the bullying. And then I started hating Mondays because of the pressure I felt to be so good at everything. Right. And then I hated Mondays because I knew on Thursday and Friday that I needed to spend some time taking care of myself over the weekend, but I didn't. Mm. And then I felt ill-equipped to face Monday. And then I got to the point where I was uh, I was just so overwhelmed by having to be everything to everybody. And I got to my office. A lot of times I, I literally wouldn't sleep on Sunday nights. I, I would lay awake the entire night in mm. bed. Yeah. Uh, and so, so there were mornings that I was in the office at 4 a.m. Feeling like uh, a zombie. Yeah. And so I'd, I'd show up and we have kind of an oval that I can walk in my office. I'd walk that oval and it just hit me one day uh, as I was walking. I just heard you can't be everything to everybody. Um, and so wow. I just hit my knees and started just bawling my eyes out because I finally realized that that's what was hit, hurting me so much on Mondays. So now if somebody comes to me, I, I've told my my team, I can't be everything to everybody. Right. I told my team, if you have an issue, I definitely want to hear about it. Right. I definitely want to know about it. But you and I are going to figure it out together. Mm. It's not going to be a, here is my issue. Please fix now it. Now it's yours. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> no more handoff, right? No. <laughs> it's a good lesson. It's a good yeah. lesson to learn. Yeah. So you didn't have like some sort of like hospital event where you were hospitalized and passed out or anything like that? Uh, uh, not for that. Okay. Uh, Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. But you did have one. (laughs) I I did get to spend. So, and this, this is not bragging. This is just how I'm wired. Um, in, in 21 years of practice, I've, I've missed two days of work for sickness. Um, and they were consecutive days. I had been on a trip to India and uh, so I came back from India and I had not felt well when I was in India for about okay. half the time that I was there. So I came back and I was back for about a week and a half and I just didn't, didn't feel well. I, I called a buddy who 
is an ER doc and he does some travel medicine. And so he said, oh, we'll just load you up on Cipro. It should clean everything up. You should be just fine. And so we did. And, and I was actually doing pretty well. Uh, it was a Wednesday morning and I, I had shoveled snow that morning. I had uh, seen patients. I'd been seeing patients the whole time, just kind of getting through it. And that morning I was like, boy, I feel pretty good. And I did some things in addition to work worked my morning and my office was, uh, this was when we were in our older office and my office was, uh, up above my treatment room in the upstairs of the, of the building. Okay. And so after I ate my lunch at the top of the steps, I felt a hundred percent. When I got down that flight of stairs at the bottom of the steps, I knew I needed to go right to the ER. (laughs) Wow. My goodness. So I told my assistant, my my patient was already sitting there in the chair. I told my assistant, I said, I'm going to the hospital. I'm I'm out of here. So I got in my car. We were uh we were four blocks away from the hospital. So it wasn't like I should have called an ambulance or anything. Right. In retrospect, I should have. I pulled up right in front of the ER because it was I was going downhill in a hurry. I crawled into the ER and put my hand up on the desk and uh Long story short, bunch of horrific details I will spare you, um, but I woke up in a hospital room and I was within 10 minutes of having a full colostomy. Oh my goodness. So I had picked up, uh, I, I need to get a t-shirt made that says I went to India and all I got was E. coli. Wow. Um, so, um, <laughs> ah, yikes. But your podcast is called Vroom Vroom Veer. It is. I was vroom vrooming and I almost had an incredible veer moment. Yeah, you might. You almost, you almost died. The, right. Yikes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I had a condition called toxic megacolon, which wow. has a 10 to 12% fatality rate. Oh, my uh, goodness. So I was, uh, I was within 10 minutes of, uh, getting a full colostomy. So I would have had a bag for the rest of my life. My goodness. And so, you know, by the grace of God that, um, my body found a way to start working again. Mm. Uh, And, and so to me, that's one of those moments that could have just been incredibly 25 pounds through that. Um, Mm. and I think what that should have been at the time. I don't like to should on myself. (laughs) What that should have been is a wake up call that said, Hey, you are going way too fast. Right. Right. But I didn't learn the lesson. And so I got to experience burnout a few more times going down the road. Wow. That's amazing. You got really lucky. (laughs) I did. So, you know, good for you. I mean, well, yikes. So, uh, like, I, can you, I just want a little bit of detail. Like, so did you like pass out like right there at the desk? And then they, or were you able to say, I went to India, I'm on antibiotics, I don't know what's going on? What, how, uh, it's just a tiny yeah. bit of detail. Okay, good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So they, they came back and they came out and got me in a wheelchair. Um, okay. And, and I was, um, in so much pain, so mm-hmm. much pain. I actually, I actually said at one point, I said, God, I'm done. Just take me. Wow. I don't, don't want to survive that this. much pain, that much pain. 
So uh, basically what they did is they they were just giving me everything they could. They were trying to get an NG tube into my stomach mm. um, because they knew that they needed to get what they could out of there. Okay. Um, and, uh, you know, full disclosure, I, I will, uh, I'll, I'll tell you this part. Um, uh, so my primary care physician, I guess, word travels in a small hospital. He was outside the ER room. And in a brief moment of clarity, I heard him saying, you've given him how much? And they said, well, enough to kill a horse. They said, you better give him more. And so that was kind of the last memory that I remember until Mm -hmm. I woke up in the hospital room. And the two surgeons, along with my parents and my wife, were looking up at the x-ray up at the light because that's how you used to do it. Right, right. And... Uh, so what ended up happening and here's the full disclosure part. Um, I was totally passed out, uh, and I ended up, uh, farting really, really, really loud. <laughs> and so I woke myself up, Wow! but the two surgeons put the x-ray down and said, we're not going to have to do surgery because my body started healing itself. Oh, wow. Oh, had that not happened. Mm, right. Um, like I woke up, that happened and I'm looking around and I, my, my wife had been crying. My parents were crying and they were looking at that. And uh, that's all it took. Man, if that's all it would have taken, I would try to do that a lot earlier. <laughs> the fart that saved your life. That's going that's to the exactly show notes. That's exactly right. But, you know, I, <laughs> Well, yeah, because it was just about to explode. Your colon is just a balloon. It's like a bladder and it's, yeah. it's filling with gas and poison. It, so I would imagine it's something like CO2 in there, like building up in toxic levels. Yikes. Oh, my God. So I think, methane. I think yeah, the, methane. Yeah. yeah. So the lesson from all of that is that I think we underestimate some of the significant things that happen in our life at the right moments just the right thing happening at just the right moment. Right. And had that not happened, our life would look dramatically different. That's a really big thing. It's a giant veer. Yeah, it is. But we even look back at um, maybe a small opportunity where we didn't get a job at one place so that we could get a job somewhere else. Yeah. We didn't do this. So I think it's really important that we look back on our lives. Yeah. And we look at the things that we didn't like how they happened at the time, mm. but they were redeemed for good in our life. Yeah, yeah. I think I think paying attention to the moments in our life uh, is is really, really big. And it's important for me to remember that moment a lot of times because that that was a fork in the road. Right. Yeah. So, uh, so I think, I think we miss those things. I think it's good to, to reflect. I think gratitude does that a lot for us when Mm. we can be grateful for things that have happened in our past that have helped shape the, shape the way that we are today. I I like to think like, I don't, I can't really nail it down. I wish I had like a really good story of an event, but at some point, probably like when I was going through depression, right. And I had suicide attempts And that didn't like, like you said, like I went through like serious depression, serious, like 
um, suicide attempt. And I didn't really get over it. You know, that just because you have an event doesn't mean it's going to go wham and you're better, right? <laughs> That's not how it works. It's like, you're still walking around. So uh, all that got me to was like, kind of like what I like to say, effort stage. It was like, well, I guess I won't try to kill myself anymore. I'm not better at all. I'm just not caring as much. Does that make sense? About yeah, yeah. I'm turning down the volume of the BS stuff. Now that is not addressing any sort of issue, (laughs) but it does help (laughs) if that makes any kind of sense. But after, so after I started actually processing some of those events and thinking about them, what I came around to was like at every turn, God was looking out for me. And trying to help me out, right? Through pain, you know? <laughs> it's like, hey, asshole, wake up. <laughs> and eventually I did, you know? Wow. Jeff, that's powerful. Okay. So you just you just finally told yourself, you know, I'm, I'm not going to listen to this BS anymore. I'm just, uh, that's just not the way out or that, I, I mean, I'm. So I'm like after, after a suicide attempt. Right. So I tried to kill myself with rat poison and all of my suicide attempts was I was still active duty air force and had a security clearance. So if I wasn't dead, I needed to be able to play it off. So I got up and went to work. That was not a good day at work. Wow. Right. After that day of work, right. Well, that day of work, you know, work shit comes, you know, and you know, I was just like, Okay. Yeah. I'll deal with it. Right. But the attitude completely different. Right. At the end of that day, I was like, none of that shit mattered. (laughs) None of that mattered. Right. Now, again, not better. Right. I'm not psychologically better. I haven't really dealt with anything, but it was a nice, I would say like two year bandaid of like me not stressing the little things, if that makes any kind of sense. Oh yeah. Yeah. Wow. (laughs) Do you think that's what it was that, that, that got you over time was just the little stuff building up sort of the death by paper cut that just kept building up or was it, was it bigger stuff? Cause that's, I mean, that's crazy. When you said the thing about how like I was taking life work life way too seriously. So after that, I think my, one of my bosses, cause you have so many bosses in the military, one of my bosses like took me aside and said, look, you know, Life is life and life is way more important than work. I know you're in the Air Force and it's security stuff and it's very important, but it's not life, right? Like Mm. he he knew, right? And I was like, yeah, you're right. Yeah, okay. So take it seriously, but not too seriously. (laughs) And I was taking it too seriously. Then I never considered myself an overachiever, but I always wanted to be maybe like, like if, if I couldn't do a thing, like you were saying, like if I didn't have the answer immediately, it was like a mark on my permanent record <laughs> from school, right? That, and I, God had like tallied it up already and I wasn't good enough, I think is probably where I was at, if that makes wow. any kind of sense. It does. It, one of the other things that I went through is that everything to everyone, I also felt like at some point I was going to get found out. Yes. People yes. were going to find out, hey, he you're an know. imposter. 
You're he doesn't know what he's doing him. as a dentist. Oh wow! Yeah, that's that's huge. He doesn't know what he's doing as a leader. Right. Like he's he doesn't know what he's doing. He really right. doesn't. He's, he's just, just a big he, freaking phony. Right. Yeah. And and yeah. and and in some ways we all are doing that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, in some ways we all we're just doing our best, right? Yes. Yeah. And I look back on that right now, and I, I give people so much more grace than I used to. Y- you have so to. Much more. Yeah. Because I, I truly believe that most of us are doing the best we can with what we have. I think everyone is doing the best they can with what they have. And then, I mean, and, you look, at, you look yeah. at my upbringing, the, the bullying. Yeah, the bullying was tough, um, some of that stuff. But dang it, home was good. Right. Home was good. Like yeah. I walked in the doors and home was good and home was safe. Right. And I I look at the people who grew up and school sucked and home sucked. Home sucked. Yeah. And then maybe once they they didn't get the tools that they needed to do anything more with their life, so then they get in a job that sucks. Mm. I mean, what's the hope in that? Right. How right. do you expect that person to be? Um, an amazing person, you know, I can teach a whole bunch of things, but if you don't have some of the building blocks and some of the tools, it gets really, really tough. Right. So I, I, I agree with you. I think we're doing the best we can with what we have. Right. You know, wisdom is one of those things that we sure would love to have when we're in our twenties, even though we wouldn't have listened to it. Right. Something (laughs) we can't have until later in life. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So how did you come up with this idea of when the now and what's, what's that, what's that about for you? Yeah. So I felt like I, I knew that most of my life I was either stuck in the past or worried about the future. One of those two things, right? I was either stuck thinking about all the things that had happened in my past or worried about, you know, being everything to everyone, being worried about being found out, being worried about all of these different things. And I miss the one thing that's guaranteed in our life. And that's the moment right in front of us in the current time. Now is what we get. Right. That doesn't mean that we shouldn't plan. It doesn't mean we shouldn't analyze things that happened in the past. Hmm. But our life is lived in the present. And there True. were too many times that I was in one place with my body and I was in another place with my mind. Hmm. And so when COVID hit, my family was supposed to go to Spain that week for spring break. Uh, it's a good thing we didn't go to Spain because Spain was kind of the epicenter of COVID <laughs> for a while. Yeah. But we had a uh, three-bedroom villa that was going to be overlooking the Mediterranean Sea. We had a day trip to Tangier that we were going to go check out where some of the James Bond stuff was filmed. Wow. Yeah, it was just going to be that trip. Yeah. And COVID happened, couldn't do it. So then um, I was still the boss uh, and my office had to be closed for eight weeks. Yeah. So just to mandate dental offices, we we do procedures that create aerosols. So we were the worst of the worst. So our offices had to be closed, except we had to be available for emergencies. So I was in this weird place where I had been my whole life. I had been scheduled or my whole professional life I'd been scheduled. Right. Uh, yeah, eight yeah. to five, I know what I'm doing. Right. You know, my, my team <laughs> schedule's up for me. Yeah, yeah. All of a sudden, I had discretionary time. I had to figure out where in that discretionary time I would work in my emergency patients. Um, there were a million webinars to watch. There were all these new infection control things I had to learn. 
Um, I was trying to spend some time with my family, trying to do all of these things. And I was just all over the place. Mm. So what I committed to doing during that time, I knew my brain was running a million miles an hour. Right. So I needed quiet. I knew I needed quiet. Mm. So I committed to every day that my dental office was closed, I would have 30 minutes of quiet. Now, idea. for somebody whose mind always spins, that's tough. Day one that I tried it, I looked at my watch 46 seconds into it. <laughs> I got to too close. That's great. But I hung in there, started setting a, uh, I put, did do not disturb on my phone and set a timer for 30 minutes. And I knew that the goal, the only goal, the only expectation was quiet. That's a good, that's, that's the best kind of meditation practice I've ever heard of. Right. Yeah. You yeah I mean, it was, there's it no was, tools. Just be quiet. Just sit yeah. there. <laughs> just be quiet. Just be quiet. And yeah. so through that time, I really realized that I'd been missing out on my life. Mm. And so, uh, the phrase when the now came to me, I said, okay, let's, let's figure out what this, when the now means. Uh, and I know that God sent that phrase to me because he wanted me to be able to teach it to other people, but it came nice. to me. And so what when the now says is that what we have is right now. That's what's most important. And in the midst of that, when you define what now looks like, what does a win look like in that moment? Mm. So for right now, for this hour that we're talking together, what does a win look like? A win looks like us having a great conversation. Right. It looks like adding value for the listeners. It looks like maybe giving someone who's short on hope a little bit of hope so they can move forward. Right. Yeah, yeah. After this, uh, I have uh, I have an hour uh, before my next meeting. And so during that hour, uh, I have three things that I hope to accomplish. So my win during that hour is going to be accomplishing those three things. Gotcha. And then I'm on to another meeting. What does a win look like in those? And so then what happens is it's constantly bringing us back into the current moment. Now, the reality is, is we're going to take some losses, right? Yeah. We're going to take yeah. some losses. Right. I work with dental patients all day long and mm -hmm. I love them, but some of them are anxious. Uh, some of them have uh, concerns about money, lots of different things. And while anesthetic is predictable, it's not 100% predictable. And sometimes it just doesn't work how we want it to. They're right. just times when that happens. Been there, so done that. Loss happens. What I do is sometimes I just have to write it down in a note app so I can not think about it at the time. Right. That's a good I go idea. Yeah. It. I process that loss and ask one question. What can I learn from that? Mm, so I learned something from it. Guess what? I've won because I've learned the lesson in that. And so it's just a way of trying to figure out how we can grab wins, how we can be in the present moment, grab wins, and how we can get some momentum going in life. So we don't reduce our whole day to, oh, this happened. Because I used to come home at the end of the day, my wife would say, how was your day? Mm. Oh, this happened. And I told her, uh, right, right. I passed every win that happened the whole day. So yeah. it was really that one little loss, one loss, a, 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 a day full of wins, right? That one yeah. loss is going to take you off of your spot, right? Yes. Exactly. Yeah. I feel like it's a way that uh, for most people that I've introduced this to, and I'm actually speaking to a group about this tomorrow, 
Um, and I've, I've come up with a scorecard um, that you can kind of use as, as, as sort of a training wheel tool. I don't expect people to use this in perpetuity, but, you know, right. the concept and then use the use the tool for a couple of weeks and then start to develop that mindset. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm excited to, to be able to do that. It's, it's neat to see the light bulb come on when we start talking about this concept, when people are like, oh, boy, I don't have to just be in the past. I don't have to just be in the future. I can, mm. I can right here and I can, I can have purpose in, in the now. Right. Right. Have you ever done like a, <clears throat> I've been just doing this. I, whenever I have like one of these old regrets, right. That just pops up now in my brain. Like, ah, I still regret that a lot. <laughs> I, I go like what you just said, like your note app on the phone and I just type it out. Like, what did I learn from this unit deployment manager regret, right? And I just, like, list it all out. Like, what I could have done better. Why did I screw up? <laughs> what would I do now that would have been so much better, right? And, like, oh, my goodness. Now, when I think about it, I don't think about the loss anymore. I think about that lesson. And I go, right, right. And I actually feel better <laughs> about, right, that what was like what I was thinking was going to be a lifelong regret has now become like this really cool life lesson. So when my brain inevitably goes back to the past to, to look for something shitty, at least it doesn't find that. <laughs> yeah. um, I love that. Mm. I absolutely love that strategy because when, especially things that come up repeatedly, right? Yeah, there's a reason. Mm, because there's you haven't reason. learned it yet. Yeah, there's a reason. That there's something still- you need to own. There's something you need to write down and say, "Yep, I I f that up big time." Right? Yes. Own that. Right? Yeah. <laughs> and go. Because- and that's okay because I'm human. Humans aren't perfect. They make mistakes. Everybody makes mistakes. Oh, you made a mistake. Welcome to being human. That's yeah. what you got to learn is if you could go back, would you do undo it? Probably not. I wouldn't. Right. Have you ever, are you a Star Wars fan and a Star Trek fan? Do you cross uh, both those bridges? Uh, I have not spent hardly any time on Star Trek. Well, are you familiar with the character Jean-Luc Picard? He's pretty. Not, Wow, he kind of looks like you. Well, okay. <laughs> he was the captain in The Next Generation, bald Shakespearean actor. Okay. In, in one episode, he died, right? He died. Okay. He literally dies. And then some magic space being who's omnipresent, omnipotent, right? Very yep. godlike, comes and says, I'm going to give you one regret to go fix, right? And. So there was this time when he was a young buck in Starfleet Academy. He got in a fight with this very large alien who skewered his heart with this dagger that's about three feet long, right? And from that fight, he got an artificial heart. And that artificial heart failed in the future, right? And he died. And he said, now go back in time and undo that and we'll see what your life turns out like. And so he does right? And he doesn't have the fight. He has his natural heart. But every day of his life, he's no longer him. He is like, doesn't engage. He, he wants to do all these things, but he just doesn't 
do the thing he needs to do. Wow. And, uh, <laughs> what? <laughs> I mean, I always think of that show because then he, he gets to feel that life and then God sends him back and says, do you, do you want to go have that fight again? And he says, God, yes. <laughs> so he goes yeah. back, he has the fight again, he gets stabbed in the heart. After he gets stabbed in the heart, he laughs a little bit. <laughs> and, and then he gets, a, uh, he gets revived in the future and everything's okay. But he gets to talk about it. He's like, I don't want to unravel my regrets. You know, That's the tapestry of my life. I don't yeah. know who I'll be if I don't have those. Yeah, Jeff, that's brilliant uh, because I, I agree with that as well. There have been some tough things that have happened in my life. The bullying was tough. Yeah. The the Monday, the not being able to sleep on Sunday nights, that was tough. A um, couple of different other things that have happened in my life too. But when I look back on that, those have, uh, God has redeemed all of those. Totally. For good. And if there's, there's no test, there's no testimony. And so if there's, yeah. there's no troubles, no trials, if we don't have to face any of that, I think an easy life is a boring life. Totally. Really do. Now there would be times that I would say, I wish this was not as hard as it was. <laughs> right. You have to find that happy medium yes. where you don't, you want to achieve, you want to serve, but you don't want to kill yourself. Right. <laughs> that, Yeah. Yep. Somebody I, said, like, can you live your life at 70% and save the other 30% for you and your your health care, your self-care kind of idea? So, yeah, yeah, that's a good idea. <laughs> it is. Yeah. It is. Boy, I, I want to be a person of impact. Mm. I want to make a difference in the lives of other people. That is hugely important to me. That's mm. my favorite part of my, of my dental practice is relationships, being able oh, yeah. to have with people. I've known some of my patients for 20 years. Wow. A couple of team members that have been with me the whole time that I've been practicing. That's an incredible. That's pretty game. rare. Yeah. It, it is. My, my chair side dental assistant has been with me since day one. Wow. So Man. it's, I mean, it's an incredible gift to be able to share life uh, yeah. with these people. Um, so I want to, I want to have impact, uh, but have to take care of myself too. Right. I have to ways to do that because my burnout equation was the exact same every time. Right. I, burnout equals overcommitted yeah. plus not taking care of self. That's right. it. Right, right. Non-negotiable for me every right. single time. And I and I notice it when I'm when my uh when I'm overcommitted and it doesn't even have to be external things. Sometimes I'm just lazy with how much time I spend on my phone mm. or how much Netflix I watch or things like that. Mm. Some of those things, um, I'm overcommitted to those. Right. And I'm <laughs> myself. Right. And so then you start to feel burnout re rearing its ugly head again. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Hey, this has been a blast. So how can uh, folks learn more about Dr. Eric Recker and like all the online stuff, the win, the now, I'm guessing ericrecker.com, but are there any specific things you want to point them towards? Yeah, so ericrecker.com is home base for me. Got right. uh, all my social media links in there. Uh, I do a weekly blog. I send out send out a newsletter from there. One free thing that you can grab if you head to the website is a five day knockback burnout challenge. I like so, that knockback burnout. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So. 
Um, I guess kind of like that ugly monster that shows up and you got to beat it back with a broom a little bit. Sure. Uh, so burnout, I, the statistics show 70% of us have struggled with burnout. Mm. I think 30% of people are lying. Uh, <laughs> so if you feel like there's some things like you might be burned out, not really sure what are some just good habits that you can get in your life, uh, that's right. a free thing that you can grab from there. So nice. uh, pretty much home base for me. I'm I'm super relational. Uh, check out my coaching page or speaking page. If I can help you or help your organization, uh, I'd, I'd love to have a conversation. This has been a blast. Thank you for being open and telling us about the fart that saved your life. That's, that's, I knew that <laughs> that's great. That's great. I mean, why not? Sorry. We're all human, right? Yep. And we all do yep. that. And, you know, that's great. <laughs> Thank you. All right. I love it. All right. Hello. You have a good one. Talk to you later. Thanks for taking the time to ride along with us on another episode of Vroom Vroom Veer. For podcast info and show notes, be sure to head over to vvveer.com. That's triple V-E-E-R.com. Man, that's fun to say. And we'll catch up with you next time here on Vroom Vroom Veer. 